right, and welcome everybody to the GC On Demand podcast. Uh, my name is Eric Wright. Uh, I am at Disco Posse on Twitter. If you don't already know me, I'm Disco Posse in the Green Circle community, so I'm easy to find there. Uh, if you go to greencircle.vmturbo.com, you can drop in comments. And uh, of course, if you uh, come to see the, the show often, you'll find our show notes are stored in there as well. Uh, today, we're going to talk something very interesting. Uh, I've got a couple of great guests, uh, someone who we've talked to before uh, on some uh, some stuff, uh, and as well, we've got a new guest to join us here. So today, I'd like to welcome uh, Amy Manley. We're welcoming uh, Amy back to the show. We talked about chargeback, showback, and the new term we like to call shameback before, and, <laughs> and Nick Collier. So the reason why we've got uh, these two dynamic folks with us today is we're going to talk about two ninjas and one blog, and that's going to mean a whole lot more. If you haven't already gone to it, uh, you know, go to two ninjas one blog.com And with that, I'm going to welcome. So, uh, Amy, welcome back. How uh, how are things? Thank you. Pretty good. Not so bad today. Um, just excited to be back on. And with Nick. Mike. Welcome, welcome again. You know, to you, you know, the community. I know we've done a lot of stuff in the community side with uh, uh, various things, and and I love the work that you've published. You know, a lot of stuff you've done around VRO, private cloud, and uh, so it's really cool to have you and Amy on together now uh, and talk about Two Ninjas One Blog and the stuff you're doing. So, Nick, if you want to introduce yourself as well to the the audience, and and then both of you, yeah, where do we find you online? That's probably the best way to start. <laughs> Yeah, hey, uh, thanks for having me on the show, Eric. And uh, as Eric mentioned, yeah, my name's Nick Collier. Uh, I lead our cloud management and automation practice that I had. So, you know, just done a, done a ton of work around public cloud and automation and uh, excited to work on this project again with Amy. And Amy, I guess we'll get you to reintroduce yourself for folks that didn't already catch the earlier episode. Oh, sure. My name is Amy Manley, and I work for the University of Chicago Medical Center. And I'm definitely working on a lot of cloud projects and automation projects, and like on the side, contribute to Two Ninjas One Blog. Also on Twitter, I'm at Weird Girl W Y R D Girl, where you can see my rants and ravings and maybe some <laughs> some coherent thought at times. <laughs> but it's a fun community. So the the cool thing that I want to to pick out right away is you know just the general concept of of private cloud. You know I I call it you know private cloud is dead. Long live private cloud. We've we've had a lot of challenges in the industry around you know latching on to private cloud as a real viable alternative because everybody seems to have this or not everybody but a lot of people seem to think that public cloud is the only true way to achieve that kind of automation, that kind of win as far as, you know, embracing true self-service and cap those capabilities. And there's a concerns about people trying to do it themselves. And there has been a generally a high failure rate. So what is it that's given you successes in being able to, to look at private cloud as a true, you know, enterprise alternative to deliver IT services? And now, Amy, we'll we'll kind of start with you. As I want to talk about you know stuff you've done, you know potentially at work, and 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 also stuff you see in the community. How have people succeeded with with private cloud? Oh yeah, definitely. I think private cloud can be very successful. We just actually migrated our EMR system. Epic was on physical Solaris onto uh, Linux on VBlock. So that was just happened a few actually a week ago, and it went flawlessly. Thank goodness. 
no pages at the middle of the night. Um, so we're considering that our part of our private cloud. We also have a lot of UCS and VMware in the environment and EMC storage and looking at other storage vendors to offer services to our customers as far as deploying a VM, deploying an application using VRO. So I think a private cloud can be very successful if you have the talent on site. And that's also having, I think, you as an advocate has been helpful. And, you know, Nick, I'm going to ask you as well. You've obviously seen this as a somebody, as a consultant who's delivered this, you know, in, in many spots. How have you found success in being able to deliver private cloud and, and have organizations embrace it? Yeah, you know, there's a there's obviously a ton to cover in this topic. And, and the one thing that, you know, I've always advocated is it's not enough to just go in and, and put an automation tool on site and, you know, just clone VMs and, and develop a self-service portal. It's all around, you know, building a, a meaningful cloud for your business. Now, that, that cloud, the way, the way we kind of talk about it today, uh, and certainly the way Amy and I worked and had success in, in companies in the, in the past where we worked, uh, is really, you know, public cloud and on-premises data centers, you know, both become part of, you know, your business's cloud. You know, even if you consume a service from Amazon or Azure, uh, you've still got a layer on top of that. All those other, you know, third-party integrations, configurations that you need to lay down on top of those cloud services or, or VMs on-premises. And, and so what we've sort of found is even if you go to public cloud, you've still got to do the automation work. And that's, you know, a major area where I'd say, you know, Amy and I just worked, you know, together so closely in the past was how, how do we actually do this, right? How do we actually align a team around this? How do you get them focused and actually, you know, digging into doing the automation? And they, and they can't just be distracted by, you know, fires and outages and things as well. And, uh, you know, Amy can attest to a lot of that from when, uh, you know, our time at Catamaran and her learning experience there. Now, have you... Have you had projects that didn't go well? Because I mean, that's as important to talk about sometimes than the ones that succeeded. Because we we obviously celebrate the wins, but you know, where have you found it that it didn't work? And and what were the maybe organizational and technical challenges that that caused that to happen, Nick? Yeah, and and so there's definitely been uh, you know failures along the way. A great point, right? And I, I think you know if there's not leadership buy-in uh, all across the uh, the business, you know from the CIO level down, and there's there's going to be some focus on this. The main reason for failure, you know, we find is that you know people deploy these tools, and they're often very expensive tools, uh, and then don't align the people around actually creating the services that are going to run in the cloud. You know, setting up the the management tools is one thing, and but the value to the business and, and getting people to actually use the cloud, spin up, spin down servers, integrating with DevOps tools really comes down to you just need people at the keyboard uh, coding and building services and working you know, cohesively as a team. When that doesn't happen, uh, I think you know, fa failures very, very often, I would say, in, in the situations where somebody has just bought the product and, and not taken the steps to, to really you know, get an initiative behind this. Yeah, the idea that like, hey, we bought it. Why isn't it working? <laughs> right. <laughs> now, Amy, you've done this before, and and you know, we you Nick talked about Catamaran and and previous work. So when you mm. you got to your new gig, did it did it make it pretty easy for you to say, hey, all right, I've I've succeeded this before. Here's this concept. I, I want us to try and and attack the problems that we've got with this solution. It, was it kind of easy to walk in and have a more sort of We've done this before. 
I think we can do it here. Did that help? That helps, but that also you get people who've been here a long time where, you know, who's this new kid coming in saying we can change things? It's always been this way. We've, you know, the one thing people hate is back at my old place, we did it this way. So <laughs> it's a plus and a minus. So I have, I have that to my advantage where leadership was very excited. They want to automate. They don't want IT to be the place that, um, what my boss always says, he doesn't want infrastructure to just come here to die in healthcare because it's known for that. You're known for being behind and we want to get up to speed. So they're really excited about automating and getting more up to speed using ServiceNow as a portal. So I just started kind of making friends, having meetings with different people on different teams and getting them excited about it. So now I have a lot of buy-in from application owners, from developers, from DBAs, so it, you just got to preach a good word and get people invested in it themselves, make it a project. So I finally got it approved as a project so I can focus time on it. Otherwise, like Nick said, you're putting out fires and you're trying to code. There's just no way. You can't do both. You have to have no distractions while you're trying to do this. So. Yeah, yeah. Maybe just mention something, something there that you know really hit on it. You know, and you know, empowering people and getting them excited. I think has just been probably the ones that have been really successful. It's when you know we haven't had you know sometimes cloud can become a very political thing in enterprises as well. You know, I've seen a new cloud team form and with their goal, it seemed like someone had a political agenda to try and take over everyone else's job in the data center uh, and tell everyone how they should automate their. Uh, you know, their, their specific services, whether it's networking, load balancing, whatever it might be. And where it's just been so successful is giving, giving everyone access to the tools. And that's not to say you don't have security and governance when you want to kind of promote the code to production, but just giving people access and the ability to innovate. You know, if you've got someone that's really passionate in your organization and they want to do this, they're hungry for it, they don't just want to click buttons and build servers every day and, and manually deploy apps. Those are the people you've got to identify because they're ultimately gonna gonna be the people, much like Amy does at UCMC, to really just drive the project forward and, and show people, you know, just what what's the art of possible, um, and it gets people going. And once the train starts moving, and you know, it really really starts going. Definitely, and it helped. You know, upper leadership is really behind this, so I've always had that support for me. So, like Nick mentioned earlier, upper leadership buy-in is a big deal. Our CIO has a five-year cloud plan and we're talking hybrid cloud and public cloud where it's not so scary anymore. Whatever we can put to the cloud like Skype for business, let's do it. What makes sense to put out there versus hosting here. So we're definitely starting to get more comfortable with those kinds of talks and people are becoming more excited with less of that tedious day-to-day -day work and more engineering work because yeah, like your job's not at risk. We're not trying to take over and, and we're trying to empower people so they can do more with their time. And one of the things that we're going to face for the next while is this, you know, whether we call it bimodal, which I, I call it bipartisan, which just like the government, everyone <laughs> says the word bipartisan, but they mean that our stuff, your stuff. It's never, <laughs> it's never truly <laughs> like a partnership of the two things. You know, we're heading into a generation of, of multiple ways to attack the problem with technology. So we're going to have public cloud, private cloud, 
multi-cloud, traditional on-premises virtualization. Heck, we're going to have standalone application servers for a long time. You know, so as technologists, what should we be thinking about? You know, what's the right thing to grow our skills into? You know, is there a concern that there's such a long tail of virtualization that, you know, some folks maybe they want to sit back and, and let the private cloud wars go on for another five years before they figure out who's going to win? Yeah, and I think, you know, from what I see is, you know, this is definitely happening now. You know, when I joined ahead a couple of years ago, um, you know, private cloud and, and public cloud even were just still kind of, you know, taken off for the, for the most part. Um, and I think, you know, today I just have so many conversations day in, day out uh, with customers. How do I do this? You know, I have to do this. You know, I, I realize this is happening. And if I don't do it, you know, I'm not going to be that competitive. And I think it's the, the competitive advantage that customers are seeing that they get when they can execute on this well um, and truly get a hybrid cloud where they've built the automation, the orchestration, the configuration management you know, the competitive advantage they get over, over the other businesses in their industry. And, and to that point, a lot of them don't want to talk about the, the successes or, or broadcast that, you know, often we're under kind of, you know, um, not, not to publish or say anything about these projects because they don't want their competitor to know that they managed to fully execute, a, you know, a cloud. And in some ways, you know, probably because of the amount of failures, I think when people get it right, they're like, wow, we got something good here. Let's, uh, let's kind of keep this to the chest a little bit as well. Yeah, there's a lot more of an investment as a as an organization in delivering that, and and yeah, there is this <clears throat> sort of it's a it's a battle plan, you know, and it succeeds, and you almost don't want to give it away because you think like, right, well, you know, if someone else sees this, gonna... <laughs> <laughs> they did it. How did they do it? <laughs> I want that. It's like like on football. Send in the mole. Games now, and you see them, and they like as they they put their clipboard over their face while they talk because they know their cameras can see them. <laughs> right. And that's the way that we treat IT. Like you can't yeah. talk about it externally. Uh, so you know, and Amy, I want to think about you know. Obviously, there's a there's a lot more in the future for bringing other things to integrate in. So. As you stretch out further in the business, do you find again it's like you have to reach into you know people sides of the organization and say like, hey, you know, I see this process that you're working on. Can you know let's bring it over here and, and let us help you to kind of grow the technology portion of it? Do you find it's easier to get away from the shadow IT groups who want to go out and speak to consultants directly and you know now you can be more of a powerful consultant within the organization? Um, definitely trying to, there, you know, there's some, like I said, there's some groups that still want their silo, so it's still about breaking down those silos, but then I reach out to people who are definitely on board and have a lot of insight and are excited to be a part of it, so definitely getting away from the shadow IT and this is mine and more of a collaboration, you know, I would definitely love to use some of our programmers who are, you know, they're programming in Python, you teach me that, please, you know, so there's definitely more of a cross-collaboration, and I think it's just bringing about great change in the culture, and more of a, just not the yours and mine, more of a collective ownership of what we can do that's better for our company and better for our patients, because honestly, everything we do impacts our patient care as well, so it's kind of a big deal. And that's the that's the definer, you know, of success 
We, we as technologists, we love to nerd out on things and say like, wow, it's really cool because I got, you know, I got OpenStack running in, in my data center and you're like, that's great. But what, what's it actually solving? Like what's right. the business <laughs> challenge that it's solving? <clears throat> and right. You've got to remember, you know, that that's what it comes to. And the success metric is what's interesting. Now, Nick, having been in a lot of organizations, you know, where do they where do they define success? Because quite often it could be like, hey, you've got twenty percent of your IT operations running as a private cloud. That's a success, right? Like it doesn't necessarily have to be a full out, you know, rip and replace of existing virtualization platforms. It's it's simply a new portion of the portfolio. Am am I right in thinking that? Yeah, and I think, you know, some people will choose to kind of import all their legacy workloads into their cloud, again, whether that's on-premises or, or, or public. But, but you know, really the success is defined by, okay, I, I built this cloud, you know, um, portal that somebody can go to and get services. And the success is really, one, are they, are they getting the services that they need? You know, a lot of uh, you know, the really successful customers, what they, they built straight off the kind of launch in their cloud with their normal services like Windows, Linux, and vSphere, and Amazon, for example. And then, you know, they've got SQL, IS, Oracle, WebSphere, and maybe some custom apps. But then they, they sort of launched this next service of, of, because of all the requests they get in for, oh, I needed that plus this other thing. How do they control the intake of those additional service requests? And the, the really successful ones, you know, because they've, They've marketed their cloud so well. They've done a town hall. They've got posters all around the office. You know, they get in a lot of requests for additional features, and they, and they put this other service in their cloud for for requesting new features. And just the amount of requests they get is a is a big sign. In addition to that, you know, just how many people actually spin up uh, machines in the cloud, and just how many people actually spin them down as well. You know, if you can influence behaviors, you know, the you know, cloud is a great way to solve VM sprawl as well. When people hit kind of thresholds of resources that you might give them, particularly on-premises, you can do this very well. And then you see them spinning down VMs themselves because they don't want to come back and request more resources for their pool. Um, that's another another big indicator that, you know, the cloud is successful and, and, and being utilized really well. And Amy, maybe you want to to run on that one too. You know, the the, the we talked about shame back, which I, I love that phrase. It's the <laughs> idea of you know, reminding people that hey, look, you're using thirty percent of the overall IT spend right now. Are you comfortable with that? And is it has be giving the, the the visibility into what's being consumed has that been very helpful in in helping the business to understand what the value of IT is? Oh, definitely. Um, we definitely, mo most projects go through an art review, but you still get those requests for maybe a VM, but then it turns into seven, and then it turns to six terabytes of storage. So you have to show that there's an actual cost. Just because it's virtual doesn't mean it's free. So definitely with VM Turbo, I'm able to show the right sizing capability, okay, we gave you the 32 gigs of RAM, but it's really using eight. So now this is the money associated with what you're wasting. So having tools to visibly show people pretty reports definitely helps. And um, right now we don't charge back. Like you said, we shame back. So it's, can you, you know, your VM will run more efficient and you'll be helping the company by... <laughs> lowering your resources so and then we can get more of our 
capital, you know, that we've already invested in. So definitely a tool like VM Turbo, which I can't help it, but it's great at showing that <laughs> helps with that visibility into the organization, whether it's an application owner or, you know, an, an executive that wants to see what their group is doing. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I'll just kind of jump in on, on that. You know, one of the motivations for, you know, Amy and I, when we, we decided to kind of launch, you know, the Two Ninjas One blog project was really around how do we make this actually real for people? What's actually involved? You know, you brought up a point, Eric, these things are very hard and complicated to do. So how can we show people, like, how did we actually do something? How do we share a lot of that code with the community so we can make these projects you know, more successful, and we, we really thought, you know, okay, one, it's okay, setting up your cloud management infrastructure, that's one, building cloud services and automation, that's kind of a huge area where we're focusing, uh, and Amy just kind of mentioned, you know, VM Turbo, you know, let's talk about cloud operations, how am I going to actually operate this thing in the new model, is it the same people that built services, or do I hand off to an operations team now that's actually going to look at dashboards and, and manage things in a, in a different way, because you're not managing necessarily individual VMs now, you manage an entire environments, entire services that people are spinning up and spinning down when they want to. And that's where I definitely see roles evolving here. We're not going to just have the storage admin. We're going to have, you know, the cloud team that handles everything from compute to storage to network. You, you can't have it all broken up and have a private cloud, I don't think. At least I don't think it would work well, having everything siloed up and cross-team trying to talk and make ends meet and well we're with this so we can't do the upgrades so if you have an actual you start dedicating resources then it's more likely to be successful and I've seen where as, as far as being a customer yeah it, you know a VAR can come in and show us a fancy new tool drop it in it runs great in the lab now we have it and it's sitting there because no either knows how to use it no one has time we haven't you know prioritized the work the right way so this is where the two ninjas one blog where we're trying to show you here's how you prioritize this is the real world not some lab you know not some shiny demo this is how it works you know this is how like you said we're not gonna like oh I just deployed OpenStack and I you know now I can do this you know that we want something to bring value to the end user and customer so that's what we're really trying to do and I like that it's the you know, Anthony Robbins, the sort of famed motivational speaker, <laughs> he had this idea of, you know, you know, awaken, awaken the giant within, or it's, this is the awaken the private cloud within. This is, you've, you've, you're taking successes that you've executed on and bringing that forward to people. So this is not something that, like you said, I, I can, technically I can, I can do something, but have I succeeded in, in getting a business to understand the value and earn back the value from it? And and that's where it comes in. I've I always did actually like the you know the Tony Robbins thing where he said if you're going to learn how to lose weight and that was his thing he said I want to learn how to lose weight so I didn't go to people that were you know already athletic and thin I went to somebody that was grossly overweight and who lost 300 pounds and I did what he did and then I wanted to learn how to how to make money so I didn't go to somebody who just graduated from economics I went to somebody who had had nothing and earned five million dollars in in 10 years and he looked at people that had succeeded and then picked out the best of what they did and it's the reason why we we all know the name Toyota not for cars in IT but for their successes in 
delivering, you know, the Kanban system and Kaizen and everything that's wrapped around right. the DevOps movement. You know, this is we, we all know the Phoenix project because it was out of the goal, which was out of Toyota. And we can talk about it because they've succeeded. And so it's good for us. So, and I applaud you both for for sharing your stories online. Now, how did how did you decide that? Hey, this is a good sort of partner project that we can deliver. And and what kind of content do you see going in there? Maybe Nick, I'll I'll ask you. Like, how did especially because you're doing this internally as a full time gig? You know, how did you decide what's going to go here? And and how did you and Amy you know, sort of partner up on it? Yeah, you know, Amy and I worked together at, at Catamaran, and we actually started the project down a few years ago. And you know, we both both kind of got busy with our careers, and you know, recently started working together. You know, when uh, when I met up with Amy again at UCMC, and started talking about you know what she's doing over there and, and what I'm seeing, and you know, as we just kind of were you know bouncing around ideas, we just we just kind of kind of hit on it. We're like, we really should just relaunch the blog and show people what's actually possible because we're tired of hearing you know all the vendors come in with their you know, own sales pitches and marketing slides, but until you until you actually do this uh, and make it real again, as we've been talking, I think a lot on a lot on this podcast today is how, how do you make it real? How do you make it meaningful? Is something we kind of use a lot. You know, that's the value for somebody. You know, there's a there's so much content out there, um, and some of it's fantastic and hits on the same things, but there's just a lot a lot of things again from the from the vendors that are just here's how you install the product, not how you actually combine all these pieces in 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 the organization and and kind of kind of stitch them together. And the one thing I always, you know, kind of add on, you know, we, we talk a lot about, you know, skill sets, uh, and we still do all the time, skill sets that are ahead. You know, a lot of customers are like, well, how do I how do I do this? What do I need? And you know, we talk a lot about programming skills and you need this kind of person and this kind of VMware person. But one of the big things that I, that I always mention now is, you know, one of the skill sets missing um, and, and again where people have had a lot of success that they embrace is in things like human computer interaction. You know, I remember uh, you know, a module from when I when I did computer science many years ago now, um, and it was a human computer action 101, and it was a book I read there, and it was the design of everyday things, uh, and really it was, it was all about how do I build interfaces, and first it talked about just objects in the environment, uh, because I quickly realized, you know, as we kind of talk about this a lot, it's ultimately, it's the experience we're going to give the user, and that's really where we, we focus the blog on, and, and ultimately what we're trying to get to. Now, Amy, you as well, you know, being on the, uh, you know, being somebody who's delivered this, how do you decide, you know, how much you can share in there, you know, from what you, you had to the organization? Because, you know, you're you're very open about where you work, but yeah, how do they feel about the fact that you sort of share that story externally? Because that's always an interesting one as, as folks in the community, you know, how much can we share? And so, you know, what do you... What is it that you thought about when you, you know, when you create content for Two Ninjas One Blog? Um, so far, their reactions have been positive. They like me being an advocate, kind of for the university. As far as when you're doing stuff like this, then you also attract that kind of talent that wants to be doing that. So instead of just we're just a normal university, Chicago, you know. Medical center, you know, we're doing the status quo operations. No, we're we're automating. We're looking at cloud. We're we're doing exciting stuff. So hey, you know, when there's an opening, let's attract that top talent. So that's really about telling our story and sharing it too with other healthcare providers to show them that it, one it could be done, and two to get the word out that you know we're we're cool kids too. You can come here. 
<laughs> yeah, and it's the kind of the same, uh, you know, at, at a head, right? You know, a lot of us personally blog there. You know, we blog for a head too. We blog personally. Um, you know, it's it's encouraged. You know, you know, to kind of, you know, you know, if we're not innovating and writing things we're passionate about. Um, then you know, you know, again, like Amy just said, you know, how do we, how do we attract the the best talent? And and when people are passionate, and excited about something, they just do great work. And I and I love and again I, I applaud you both for for sharing that content out because the community side is is what makes it important. We've all grown up, you know, in technology communities, and and that's been super helpful for for everyone to learn. And now because there's a more enterprise focus a lot of times on you know going to publicly available content and and watching these stories unfold online, it's great you know because you know now it, and part of what we're targeting with with this podcast as well is you know like CIOs can sit down and say oh wow you know so all this tech talk that I've been hearing you know around the corner from my office it's, it, it makes sense now you know now I know why <laughs> let let's embrace you know what these folks are bringing uh, you know the other thing is. Everything we do has to, to be towards that that common goal, and and I like that. How how have you been able to solve the problem where you know in the Phoenix project there was Brent, right? He was the the one he was the, <laughs> the the one person who was attached to everything, and they couldn't they couldn't reel him in. And how do you find those folks and say, hey, look, you know. You applaud them for what they do. You know, you want to prop them up for what they're bringing to the IT organization. But how do you then bring them into the fold? Because that's one of the most challenging things: is the psychology of getting someone to embrace something new. Now, Amy, you've you've done this at a couple of places, and you probably have a, a huge organization that you're dealing with that's siloed. How do you take somebody that's like really confident they don't want to be a part of it? What's the what's the carrot that brings them in? <laughs> That's a really interesting question. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely um in any organization the Brents, you know, the go to person, they like that sense of ownership and that they're the one you go to. But I guess you have to appeal to their lifestyle. Do you oh, do you want to be called at two AM because you're the only one that knows? If you share this, then you'll have more time to work on other things. If you share this, you're not the single point of failure, you know. If Brent gets hit by a bus, now our company is going under, you know. So <laughs> I think as an organization, we push standards and policies and documentation. So even if that's kind of your mode of operation, you, you have to document your process. We're trying to develop like an enterprise standard throughout all the groups that we just kind of started this initiative with the security team. They kind of started it and now it's everyone from every group. We're coming up with our own procedures, our own standards, what's a process and it's just getting everything out there on the internet site so it's out for public consumption and someone like me can do the task that my coworker is doing, you know, if, if he can't do it. So they really have to get on board with collaboration because that's I mean that's the way it's going it's kind of the train of automation the train of collaboration you got to get on that train or you're probably gonna be left behind or you know have to go work for a smaller company that just needs the one person to do everything it's really a mindset that I hopefully hopefully that person will adapt and change and see the benefit of sharing their knowledge and also maybe giving up some of that ownership feeling and see what the reward is at the end of the, the line. 
there's the trust factor that's required. And, you know, Nick, as somebody who's probably you've been parachuted into a couple of organizations, I bet. And is there is there a concern sometimes that, you know, you're you've been brought in, you know, through ahead and, and, and outside, you know, at previous stuff where the CIO bought in, but the technologists that that are actually running the operations don't. And like you said, how do you how do you bridge that gap and say, hey, look, Look, folks, I'm I'm one of you. <laughs> I'm taking yeah, instructions yeah. from up top, but this is for all of us. Right? What's what's the what's the way that you coach them through embracing it for their own good? Yeah, you know, one of the things that I really like and, and attracted me to ahead was, uh, you know, the methodology that we have when we engage with customers because. Again, we want to build consensus and get everyone on the same page. You know, and Amy's come to some of these workshops before as well. You know, where we just did what's the order possible and just kind of had everyone in the room from from the customer, whether it's the stories, the network, the Windows guy, the VMware guy, the CIO. You know, we get we get everyone in for these workshops before we even start anything, um, and just try and get everyone on the same page. You know, first it's kind of a lot of education, like this is what's possible. Let's hear from you. What are you excited about? And then kind of just build a you know, build consensus and, and, and leave, you know, with knowing that this is the direction we're all all marching towards. And and I wouldn't say everybody necessarily agrees with me. You know, Amy and I joke a lot about, you know, server naming standards when we, we kind of get to that uh, design topic. <laughs> oh, and God. I, <laughs> and I, I think every workshop, it's probably, you know, even once I've convinced everyone it's do cloud, let's automate and everything, when we actually get down to it and, and do the follow-on workshops, when you when you get to server naming, it's this one thing that... uh. You know, we spent probably a couple hours on them, and, uh, and uh, you know, not everyone agrees with me, quite frankly. You know, well, we have to eventually make a decision, um, um, and you know, you try and build consensus in the room and kind of move forward. But you know, there's three people in the room with a different opinion on on server naming, as as one example. But at the end of the day, you know, you have to kind of let the trivial go and look at the end goal and kind of just get them back focused into that. And um, and and again, once once the results start coming, you know, they, they forget about server naming six months later. So. Yeah, it's getting through that. So, so that's an important thing. I think all of us need to to latch onto that. And and you phrase it beautifully. You know, let the trivial go and let's think about the end goal. You know, and and it's good. So, you know, we're we're unfortunately hitting up to time, but I I want to thank you both. You know, so again, you know, two ninjas, one blog. Anybody that wants to find out more about uh, about what's going on and and they want to look at private cloud stuff. Uh, so what's the What's the summer look like? We've got big events coming up. How do folks get a chance to come out and, and maybe meet uh, you, uh, Nick and, and Amy? Uh, Nick, have you, have you got sort of a public face at some, some upcoming events? I know you do a lot of speaking gigs. Uh, yeah, so I'll be at, uh, I think the next one I've got is Knowledge 16. That's the ServiceNow event. You know, they're doing a, doing a lot in the space, so I'm excited to go there for the first time. Um, you know, at Ahead, we have our, our Tech Summit coming up in uh in the summer as well, and then you know, usual VMworld and everything that follows the schedule gets booked up pretty quickly. Um, you know, we'll probably we hosted a uh, Brecky as a service last year at VMworld, um, so we'll probably probably do that again. And otherwise, uh, we'll be uh, occasional V beers in Chicago if anyone's around. And don't forget to come out every single morning for a V fit run because we get to survive. And <laughs> You are so dedicated. I applaud you for that. I mean, it's my it's it's fitness as a service. I want to I want to triple XL shirts to every tech summit because it's like we need we need to help ourselves. If I'm so good at making my technology awesome, then why wouldn't I do that to my own self? So. Love it. 
All right. <laughs> and it, where, where do they find you uh, uh, in in upcoming events? Hopefully, folks will get a chance to to hear you because I know it's. It, I love hearing you talk about things, and it's been been great opportunities to chat. Yeah, I'm definitely trying to schedule more. I don't get to jet set like Nick does, since you know he's Mister. <laughs> <laughs> Um, automation <laughs> <laughs> but um i usually i like to go to the the local v mugs or you know some wisconsin ones or and then i vm turbo fest is coming up i am on the customer panel for that in june and then it's to be decided about either ignite or vmworld i don't know what's coming up for me so nice that's all i have for now well, we again, will have two ninjas t-shirts soon, just so everyone knows. Ah, there we go. That's the <laughs> teaser. So, you know, you, you, swag. It's all the swag. Good stickers, good t-shirts. So, uh, so thank you, uh, Amy and Nick, for, for coming on the show and talking about this. This is great. Thank you for sharing with the community and uh, and highlighting the importance that, you know, let's let's get away from the trivial. Let's let the software do the work and... And it's it's fun. It's not the work hasn't gone away, even though we've gotten really good at delivering this sort of service oriented IT. Uh, it's great. You know, again, thank you for uh, for coming on and for folks that want to uh, continue to listen to more of this good stuff. You can go to GC on demand.io. Uh, that's where you can see the show notes and, and all the information about the GC on demand podcast. You can subscribe through iTunes. The link is right there. Uh, you can also subscribe on Stitcher. If you drive a Ford and you want to drive around with us uh, nattering in your ear, uh, please feel free to do so. Would love to hear more. Uh, you can, of course, catch me. I'm at Disco Posty on Twitter and drop us a line. Let us know what you want to hear about and anybody you want to talk to on the GC on demand. And thank you, uh, Nick and Amy. We'll make sure we put your links up in the show notes as well. And uh, we will talk to everybody again very, very soon. Thanks, Eric. Thanks. You're my favorite Canadian, by the way. <laughs> <laughs>